Hello, my name is Mags Wilson and I'm a Workforce Change Manager here at ELHT. Thanks for joining us in our second of our podcast series about the Trust Behaviour Framework. Joining me today are Nicola Robinson and Tim Radcliffe. Welcome both to you. Um, if I can just ask you both to just quickly introduce yourselves and explain your role at the Trust, please. Hi, my name's Tim Radcliffe. I am the Facilities Manager and Catering Lead for East Lancashire Hospitals. I work over all sites, but based primarily uh, at Blackburn, uh, close to the kitchen. Hi, yeah, I'm Assistant Director of Nursing for um, Intermediate Care, so I'm part of the Community and Intermediate Care Division. Um, I've actually worked in the Trust a long time. I've spent all of my career here and I've worked in surgery, medicine, intermediate care. Um, so my main area of responsibility and accountability are for seven inpatient wards across three sites. Thank you both. So we're here today to talk about the Trust Behaviour Framework. This is something that we launched back in September 2021 as part of our inclusion week of celebrations across the Trust and that went really well and, and the framework defines how actually as all colleagues you know we can actually contribute to the success of ELHT uh, but it's also about our own successes isn't it as individuals and, and that wider team that we're part of um, to try and kind of adopt and embrace these behaviours. So um, it's all about actually helping to achieve the trust's ambition to deliver safe, personal and effective care for our patients. But more importantly, and it was it was great to hear Nicola <laughs> around how long you've worked at ELHT, but ultimately it's about making it a great place to work as well, isn't it? So through this framework, you know, we just touched on it, there is a core set of behaviours um, which help us to define how we all approach our work day to day, how we do things, how we say things but more importantly, how we treat others and also how we expect to be treated. Now, in this episode of our podcast today, we're going to focus on the behaviours that sit under the excellence heading. So I'm just going to ask Tim, actually, first, what does excellence mean for you, Tim, in your role? I think it's, it's a number of things. One of the main things for me uh, is an enabling an atmosphere of excellence. And what I mean by that is an area where people are happy to make mistakes so that there's no culture of people hiding away things. They're able to actually do go for their job. And if you allow them to make mistakes, what will happen there is they will automatically start to learn from that and want to go forward and provide a better service. And also look at how everybody interacts together. So I think excellence for me has a lots of different meanings. Thank you, Tim. Nicola, obviously you're working in a very different setting as well day to day. What, what What's that like for you day to day? I think for me, um, culture is, is the really big one. Tim alluded to it, you know, that what we don't want is any staff feeling fearful. One of the things I've done within my career, for example, is teach around human factors and how to learn from and avoid incidents and one of the ways that we do that is by having these open cultures where staff can raise concerns and 
and that we work together as a team to try to resolve them. I think it's quite challenging in health because we have multiple risks that we're managing all of the time. We have lots of different departments all aimed at um, delivering the best care that we can to patients and at times there can be tensions between them and, and different pressures in different areas. But I think by having cultures which are open, promoting dialogue, asking staff to speak up and it's some, sometimes it's it's the way we go around doing that as well, because I think, you know, that it, it can be a short step from some people just sort of having a real whinge. I don't mean that to be derogatory, but to actually state in a case in a very open and, and fruitful way. I think as leaders, you know, we don't always have all the solutions, but what we can do is work with our teams to to get to the best place that we can. Yeah, I'd like to respond to that because I think she raised a really good point. And it's not when we're talking about culture, it is right. It's all right for us to make mistakes as well as us as leaders. And I think that's really important that if you want that goal of excellence, then you you have to be honest enough to say to your staff and to the teams that you lead that I have made a mistake. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, it it's that real authenticity, really, isn't it? Thank you both for that. Just within the framework, you know, we also under excellence, we look at kind of having that kind of can do attitude and be willing to go that extra mile for our patients and our colleagues. And again, Nicola, you must have many examples where, you know, you've seen colleagues going that extra mile for patients and, and to deliver the services that we do. Any examples you'd like to share with us? So on a wider note, I think one of the things I'm proudest of is that we um, started some work last year looking at um, it was a project we picked up and it was around the timeliness of people moving through to our community wards. So we sort of rewrote it because it, it seemed to be very fixed on time, but but it needed more of an emphasis on quality and safety as well. But through doing that, the matrons in my nursing team and the discharge matrons who were based primarily at Royal Blackburn worked together. They now have a daily meeting. They um, have before the meeting information about what the pressures are on different wards in community. They have a real good look at the patients who are planned to come over and they um, very much pull through to ensure that patients get to the right ward at the right time that it's safe and also through doing that they um, make it easy for patients to move through from the emergency department towards on the Royal Blackburn site so it, it did show some real measure uh, not only of timeliness but patient experience as well. And, and just sort of handing over to you Tim just thinking about that kind of you know that can-do attitude or going that extra mile what, what does that look like for you in, in your service as well? I think the way that it, trans, it, it looks um, in catering is by trying to ensure that every plate that we, we put out there it looks appetising and is nutritious. That's, that is what excellence should be. Every single meal, every single time, all the time. It's ensuring that when we don't get it right, we look at how we can make it better. And I think working with everybody else in, in the trust is we are a little bit away from the rest of the hospital in the main kitchen in Blackburn. 
uh, and that sometimes has its own challenges. One of the things which we've we've just started doing is the discharge lounge. So we are working across divisional, looking at how we can help improve patient flow. And we have worked with the discharge team, looking at how we can give discharge packs. So that that means that every patient who is going to be discharged, we can give those uh, patients a pack for them to leave the hospital, which will have food just to allow them to go home. Things like tea, coffee, milk, and bread rolls, some porridge, some cheese and biscuits, a tin of soup, a tin of baked beans, that they can go with that. And that is something which is working really well. And we've also adapted that a little bit more by making certain that the breakfasts now go down into the discharge lounge so that a patient can go from their ward down to the discharge lounge and have their breakfast there all the time. There's no need for them to be sat waiting on the ward. Thought of over uh, the years as well, the you know the actual uh, range of uh, menus that you're actually being able to kind of offer not not only colleagues but obviously patients. That's changed so much, hasn't it? This such a, a great deal of choice now to kind mm. of really, you know, meet those requirements. As yeah, well. the change uh, and the process of change can be very difficult. Plant based, as I suppose, is the biggest change yeah. that we've had. Our menu currently is probably 55% vegetarian and we will be looking at developing more and more of our plant-based offerings and, and the vegan offer that we have. Uh, just tomorrow we'll be, uh, ha be launching a totally brand new product with only the second place in the country to have it, the other place being Marco Pierre White's restaurants. <laughs> And this is a 3D printed pea protein that looks like meat, smells like meat, tastes like meat. It's called redefined meat and you'll be able to get that in the restaurants over the coming period of time. And our chefs obviously are the best in the country having just one NHS chef of the year. The dishes that they did are all on the patient menu now. Uh, we have a, a eggless meringue, we have a vegan samosa and we have a, a, a duck breast as well. So they, they've adapted to the change, went up to the challenge and we put that in and the rest of the team see that and move forward with their own ideas and their own change. The framework asks us to be open and to, you know, to change and recognise the need for change so that we can continually improve. So again, if you can just talk to us a little bit around, um, you know, what that's been like as well. I think the communication is absolutely key. Within any team, you'll always have some staff who are more open to embrace change, some who'll be the first ones to jump to any change, and then, and then you will get people. I think through, I think obviously over the last couple of years, the NHS has seen enormous change, things that we just didn't expect to see. I think what's been really positive, um, not only within my own team, but the wider organisation and more broadly as well across the ICS, for example, is that we've taken advantage of what have been really disadvantageous situations to, to look at the way that we work and the way that we do things. To be honest, anyone coming into the NHS has to be very open to change anyway. Uh, we've got to be quite resilient, haven't we? And we've got to find new ways of working, but it's actually really rewarding as well. 
I think there is something also though about we do need to support people who are finding change difficult. There could be, you know, emotional reasons for that. There could be a sense of that, you know, things I've built are being altered and it's finding ways to work with people to adapt. I think when you're talking about change, there's, there's a bit of a thing there which comes about courage and it's having that courage to change. You make those strong decisions to actually make a better, to make things better. You're not just doing change for change. Here at East Lanx, we lead the way in catering. And one of the things that we did was three years ago is we put venison on our menu. And there was a number of hospitals that were involved in a potentially doing this. We were the only hospital in the NHS that said, right, yeah, we will do this. And I went ahead. We started off with venison from the Scottish borders. We then moved to the Forest of Boland venison, local. Now there is a movement where five more hospitals are being asked and instructed by NHS England to, to change and to put this on their menu. And it's sometimes you have, there has to be somebody who does it first. And it's that courage to say, we are able to do this. We are able to change, but involving everybody in that as well. That's that team, as, as Nicola alluded to there, it's that teamwork and the communication and ensuring. I think one of the things that we have to make certain is that when you make a change it is for a reason and it isn't just change for change's sake. Within our framework, you know, we talk around the behaviours around how that can be demonstrated, you know, how we'd like to be treated. But as we know, nobody's perfect. And sometimes we you may have come across examples where, you know, the behaviours have not really been what we have expected, you know, of, of the standard and the excellence that we're trying to achieve here. So um, I'd be interested to see from either of you when you've kind of used your own coaching skills to try and help a colleague to develop or work towards a positive change. Is there anything, Nicola, that you could share with us? I think the big one uh, to be mindful of is, is when you see someone who is behaving and it's unusual for them, I'm, I'm always quite mindful that that may not be the reaction that you would expect from someone. So quite often there it is about understanding what's going on in their world at the minute, perhaps taking some time out to reflect on what was it that triggered that response at the time and it may be that there are things going on and when I've had those the most recent discussion I had with someone it was a while ago now and actually uh, they were very distressed they'd had an awful lot going on and it was a valuable conversation because it, it meant they went away and got some help they'd had a really tough time for various reasons I think the more difficult ones are when it's a persistent behavioural issue and it may be that sometimes in a supportive way you need to hold a mirror up and we've all needed to have that you know um, at times that do you understand just quite how your behaviour is making people feel and you know the, these are difficult conversations but they are achievable I've been lucky in my career I've had some great coaches and people who I've become friends with and they've been able to say to me do you know what you could have maybe have handled that a little bit differently and I'm actually grateful to them I think it's about how you go about it 
so that they don't feel personally attacked. And that can be a real fine line, can't it? I think from that example that you've given you, because you, like, you know your team, don't you? And, you know, you, you're able to pick up on maybe some of, some of those um, subtleties or that change of behaviour. I think that's great, Nicola, for you to actually say the first point of call is to actually understand what might be going on for that individual. Tim, anything that you'd like to share with us where you've got that, you know, a change to that positive behaviour? Yeah, I think that Nic Nicola's sort of covered most of it there. And I would say it's those, the, the key words there is, is understanding, confidentiality, transparency. Mm. And I think, the, the one that I would say the most is time and, and, and that's actually giving the time to actually listen to somebody. I think the other thing that I've learned, particularly the last two years, is that the last two years has been incredibly difficult for, for so many staff and their behaviour has changed as with how the workplace has changed and making certain that you understand how constant change of rules and regulations will not have the same effect on every single person mm -hmm. and that they are individuals there is a human factor here and we must make certain we we deal with that our colleagues have res responded really well to some of the enormous challenges that we have faced but if you can just talk us through some of those things that have actually happened you know within your respective areas about that kind of agility and flexibility yeah i mean this is true um in my wards but in the wider organization and i have to say that you know estates and facilities have been crucial to this so the amount of changes you know changing patient pathways making wards red to green it will literally will mean moving i i think a couple of months ago we moved about 24 patients from one ward across different wards within my footprint so we tried to keep the majority at Burnley but then some went to Pendle and then Clitheroe so the actual organisation of that obviously facility is absolutely vital it just shows really um, that from the adversity that we've had I think it has pulled people together it's pulled departments and teams together so there's a lot to build on going forwards yeah I think particularly the beginning of 2020 when there was an awful lot of uncertainty of exactly how this would go. We, we shut the restaurant and we then had to go from, we had to start doing 3,000 packed lunches a day uh, and that meant that everybody had to be involved and that included people whose job wouldn't normally be doing that and we just had people just in a uh, conveyor belt and everybody was putting a different thing in for uh, the packed lunches. We did the same when we did the, the VE Day celebrations in 2020. We also then had everybody working, doing special boxes for all the staff. Only today, I've had a phone call from a member of staff who said that one of their team, so one of my supervisors phoned me, said one of their team uh, has phoned in with COVID and there's somebody else on annual leave. And is it okay if she stays on to do some extra hours and it's that kind of agility that staff are are still willing two years down the line they're still willing to do a little bit extra here and there and 
and that's what I think uh, I will take out of the last two years. Nothing over the last two years could take away how fantastic all our staff across the whole organisation have been. They go above and beyond, you know, I think, you know, it's all teams, but I look at how flexible all of our staff are. No, that's absolutely brilliant. I just want to say to you both, it's been absolutely great to hear about your examples, you know, and how excellence has been demonstrated on a day-to-day -day basis. Nicola and Tim, I really, really appreciate your support and your time to take part on this podcast. So a big thank you from me. Definitely a really good insight into how the behaviour framework just works day to day and, and what you actually see and observe from your colleagues and how that supports our patients. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. So um, that concludes our podcast for today. There will be more podcasts on the different aspects of the behaviour framework over the coming weeks. But finally, I'd like to thank you all for listening and goodbye.